today we want to look at being thankful. Today's message is joyful, prayerful, thankful. And you're going to hear me say that a lot. So by the end of this, I hope you'll have that memorized. Joyful, prayerful, thankful. I don't know if you remember the first time uh, your parents left you for a weekend in the house. Maybe you were a teenager. Maybe you had older siblings and you were a preteen. Uh, maybe you were the oldest and you had some younger siblings. Maybe you were alone. But that first time you had the house uh, to yourself or you parents. Remember that first time you left your kids alone for the weekend? And, um, you know, just think about that. Like teenagers who basically know nothing about taking care of a house and you put them in charge of it. And, uh, and, 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 you know, you, if you're like Becky and I, then, then you wrote a bunch of notes, uh, instructions and encouragements and, and, and you used a Sharpie and you wrote in large font and you left the paper on the counter exactly where they could not miss it. And of course they didn't even look at it once, uh, the whole time you were gone and you come back and you find that everything's fine, albeit, uh, you know, the mail didn't get picked up and there's a little bit of a mess, but, but they did great. They did just the fine. Well, what we're going to look at this morning in 1 Thessalonians 5, and if you've got a Bible with you, I invite you to begin to find that. 1 Thessalonians is deep into the New Testament. If you get through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, then you're going to Acts and Romans and other letters of Corinthians and Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. And then you're at Thessalonians. They're a little bit small, so it's hard to skip past them. 1 Thessalonians 5. This passage is a bit like that. Uh, the Apostle Paul is closing this letter. Uh, we Several weeks ago, we, we had a quick run-in with the Thessalonians. As we, we'd seen, the Apostle Paul was moving through the area. He spent about three weeks of, of short but very effective ministry in Thessalonica. And this is a follow-up letter to his, his visit there. But this is the kind of conclusion of his letter, and he's got this rapid-fire list of instructions and encouragements, and it's very much like what a parent would say to their teens as they leave that note on the counter when they're gone for the weekend. That's kind of the the, the sense here, the mood here, as Paul does it. So, if you've got First Thessalonians chapter five, and um, starting at verse twelve, if you're able, I invite you to stand today for the reading of God's word. First Thessalonians. Chapter 5, starting at verse 12. He writes this. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the work Do not stifle the Holy Spirit and do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Verse 23, and now may the God of peace who make now may the God of peace make you holy in every way and may your whole spirit and soul 
and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. First Thessalonians also gives some good teaching about the return of Jesus in the earlier chapters four in the first part of five. Let's be seated together. We are going to zero in on those middle verses there, 16, 17, and 18. Uh, 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 always be joyful. Um, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. But I want to go through the other verses that are in this passage to kind of give us the context as we do this. So jump back to verses 12 and 13 with me. He says, brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. This feels a little bit awkward to to address this verse uh, when it's kind of talking about people like me. Uh, but those of us who lead in spiritual matters, we do so because we love you and because we believe that God has called us to this work. Uh, I'm personally, I'm just really grateful for this church. It's a, you know, you are an encouraging congregation and very supportive in so many ways. And the New Living Translation uses this phrase here that, uh, that this is, they, they give you spiritual guidance, but really the word is stronger than that. It's translated elsewhere. They admonish you, which is a sense of kind of a strong direction. And it's not always easy to accept direction. Um, you know, we kind of have an idea of what we want to do and, and don't really like being given direction very much. Um, but it's it's good and it's helpful. And obviously you, you test uh, what we teach from the, the platform here, but we do so... Not for our own benefit, but for yours. The writer of Hebrews um, said something very, very much the same, very similar. In, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, he put it this way. We'll have this one on screen for you. Uh, he wrote this. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. I think that's why Paul says to the Thessalonians, live peacefully with each other. Uh, you know, it's a lot easier to lead people who are getting along with each other than who aren't getting along with each other. So we want, we want to do that. Then moving on to verse 14, uh, Paul gives four kind of quick rapid fire instructions for the Thessalonians. First, he says this, he says, Uh, Well, let me read 14 to you. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, take tender care of those who are weak, and be patient with everyone. Warn the lazy. What does he mean by that? What is he, what is he, what are we warning the lazy about? Well, as you know, a lazy attitude now creates hardship later. Hard work is good and it's honorable. Workaholism is beyond. That's not what we're talking about. But hard work is good. We're meant to produce. We're meant to create and and and, and bring something. Um, later in the next letter that Paul wrote to these guys, Second Thessalonians chapter three, Paul went farther. He he said it this way. He said, "Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. If you do not work, you do not eat." 
That's a strong statement. And so I think there were some issues going on in that Thessalonian place that some people felt like, hey, you know, we can just trust God. We don't really have to, you know, work at it. We don't really have to put an effort in. He goes, no, you don't be lazy. Um, you work hard. Handouts without effort, honestly, they, I think they dehumanize a person. They, they're dehumanizing. I remember years ago talking to someone who was running a thrift store and they, they're always struggling with, you know, keeping enough volunteers to keep the place tidy and stocked and price checked and all those different things. And they instituted a thing where folks could get free, um, uh, free, uh, you know, clothes or other items from the thrift store based on putting in some hours of volunteer work. So it was it was connected, and they they kind of had a system for how you judge it. You worked a certain number of hours, you could get a certain number of items for free, and they they just found that the morale went way up, that that the the quality of the store went up, and people were happier to be there because they loved the idea of saying, "I'm not just getting free stuff; like I'm actually because it's in us to do that." It was a great it was a great example. Parents, for example, make sure the kids around your house are learning to do some chores that they're helping kids. Smile and do your chores. It's good for you, right? All right, so warn the lazy. Then he says, encourage the timid. This is not about personality. Introverts are not better than extroverts. And extroverts, I'm sorry to burst our bubble, we are not better. Well, we're only a little better than introverts. Um, oh, really? Uh it's it's okay. You've got one, you've got some and one the other. So with this, we're not talking about personality here. Um, it's it's actually easy to hide our um, immaturity, our, our even our sin or our, our weaknesses, our flaws. It's easy to hide that behind a personality and just say, well, that's just how I am. Well, you just have to put up with me because I'm just, I just have a short fuse or I'm, well, I'm just really, I'm just really shy or I'm just whatever. We kind of make excuses for that. And he's just saying, look, just because you're a quiet person doesn't mean you can't speak up. Doesn't mean that God can't use you to speak. So he's saying, encourage the timid to, 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 to be bold, to not be afraid. And then there's two more. Care for the weak and be patient with any, everyone. Care for the weak and be patient with everyone. Look, none of us can carry our own weight all the time. We all go through those seasons where we just feel overwhelmed, where it's just too much, where we feel we feel kind of weak, where we need people to be extra patient with us. And so these two instructions just simply remind us to have that extra grace with people who sometimes just need that extra grace. Uh, you, you know, um, you know, sometimes like say in a marriage situation, sometimes you know you're you're definitely going. More than the 50, if you think it's a 50-50 arrangement, it's not. It's sometimes it's 20-80 and sometimes it's 90-10. And you be patient, care for the weak. Come to the aid of those who are struggling. All right, moving on to verse 15. He says, see to it that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Listen, our natural instinct, when we've been wronged, when we've been mistreated, when when something's happened that, that, you know, we didn't like, it doesn't feel good to us, our natural instinct is to retaliate, to, to get back. Um, you know, see, you see it sometimes in traffic or, you know, just old road rage thing or whatever. And maybe it's just simply kind of withholding kindness. You know, it's not overt, but, but it might be just kind of 
talking about that person behind their back, complaining to someone else of what that person said or what they did, or, or, or we just, we just avoid them altogether because we don't like how we were treated by that person. And instead, Paul's saying, we were called to make a practice of doing good to each other, to strangers, and even to that person who mistreats us. Who, who, you know, they said something hurtful, they did something hurtful, and, and he's saying, we don't pay back evil, but we do good to all people. And obviously, there's good boundaries or a necessity that, you know, you don't keep putting yourself in a place where you're going to keep getting abused over and over. You need to, to, to kind of have a reasonable kind of protection around your heart. We can talk about that some other time. But we, we don't pay back evil. We do good to each other and to all people. That's verse 15. 16 and 18, we'll come back to that. But let's jump up to verse 19 where he says, Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies. Test everything that is said and hold on to what is good and stay away from every kind of evil. So again, four things there. Do not First, do not stifle or do not quench the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit, fully God, moves somewhat mysteriously. We can't necessarily predict how the Holy Spirit's going to work. We don't always, uh, you know, understand even how the Holy Spirit works. And so he's just saying, let's be very, very careful not to kind of limit the Holy Spirit to our own understanding, our own box uh, of how God ought to work. Especially, especially when you see a loved one who's kind of growing in their spiritual life. Uh, be excited about it. Don't be intimidated or threatened by that. Let, let that flow in their life. I, I shared a story in the, in the nine o'clock service. The, the church I grew up first was raised in the first, I don't know, five or six years of my life was, um, was a good church, but there were a number of people in that church who'd really had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. It was a really transformative experience for them. And they were beginning to, to, you know, understand what it meant to speak in tongues and operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They, they had, this is the early 70s, so they had what we would call the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the filling of the Holy Spirit. And it was a, a real revival time for these folks. But this church didn't know what to do with that. They didn't know how to handle that. And, and it just didn't fit their box. And they effectively shunned all those people until all those folks left that church. And about 15 or maybe 20 years ago, that church closed its doors for good. Why? I really believe they were quenching the work of the Holy Spirit rather than saying, hey, we don't understand it, but we want to understand. God, what are you doing in our midst? It was out of fear just saying, no, no, we don't. We reject this. And uh, it's a very sad story for that, that old church. So don't stifle or quench the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, he says... Uh, you know, don't scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. God still speaks through the prophetic. God still speaks messages to us through people, through that gift called prophecy, the prophetic gift. Um, now, admittedly, some of the prophetic voices sometimes are kind of odd people. They're a little different. You think, man, I, I'm, I, that person, I, you know, I don't know, they seem a little weird. Right? That's okay. We don't scoff at, we don't mock the prophetic. There's, it is really interesting right now, there's quite a large body of, of the prophetic that's speaking into the post-election season. And I'm not really quite sure what to make of it, but long time, uh, 
you know, reliable, proven prophetic types are all speaking the same message with regards to the election. They, they really believe that, that this is not, that this is not over, that, uh, many of them believe that President elect Biden will not be the president. I, I don't know what to make of that, but time will tell if these are accurate or not. And so we don't scoff or mock at it, but we just say, God, what are you doing? I, I don't, I don't fully understand, but I'm going to be careful not to make a mockery of it. And then he goes on in verses 20 to 21. Uh, Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Look, as we get desensitized to, to the world around us, hold on to good. Stay away from evil. As we, as we kind of are bombarded with kind of the culture, it's easy to slip away from what is good and fall into what is bad. Foul language, bad attitudes, you know, selfishness and so on. Think of it a bit like, like the handrail on a staircase. You hold on to what is good. There's not very exciting to hold on to a handrail. It's very mundane. Um, I think it was last week. I mean, it was over the weekend. Uh, we have a, we have a, we have a two-story house. And so I was going up this flight of stairs and I was carrying something and, and I kind of stumbled a little bit and I felt like I almost fell backwards down the step. I thought, I'm going to die in my own house. I'm going to break my neck on my own stairs. Like how embarrassing would that be? Here lies Brian who did not have the good sense to just hold the handrail. Hold on to what is good. Trust me, that is not how you want to go down. Okay? So, that would be embarrassing. I can just imagine you get to the gates. Heaven. Peter's just shaking his head. It's like, really dude? Like, the building code is there for a reason. Hold the handrail. Anyway, too late. Um, no stairs in heaven. So, you know about personalities? Some are like little ADD. That's, that's mine. So you just gotta get me a minute to get back. Alright, so this is the, this, that, those are the previous verses. Now let's jump back to verses 16 through 18. This is Paul's, remember, this is Paul's note on the counter for the kids as he's leaving the house for the weekend, right? Verses 16 to 18. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Alright, three being words. Be joyful. You know, be prayerful, be thankful. All these words are a choice. It's a decision that we make. We don't just react to our circumstances, right? Whether, whether in the past or within the future, whether in the present, we respond and we're deliberate about how we do that. Joyful, prayerful, thankful. I'm going to say those words a bunch. Joyful, prayerful, thankful. The first one is joyful. Joyful is strictly related, I think, to the present. It's very much a now kind of thing. I can be joyful now, um, you, you know, joy is maybe not the same as happiness. The word contentment might be a, a, a better word, a little more accurate word for that. Um, uh, joyfulness, you know, w- would say, hey, regardless of what I'm feeling, regardless of what I'm going through right now, my hope, my confidence, my strength is in the Lord. I'm, my, my you know, they're just... Instead of ex- exchanging that that heaviness for the for the Lord's presence in your life, Nehemiah eight ten says the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's spoken by a guy who's going through a very difficult challenge, a difficult time. The joy of the Lord is my strength. That said, 
joyful people are generally pretty happy and they're nice to have around. Uh, you have a person who's joyful, prayerful and thankful. You want that person in the room. You want that person at your table. They're a great person to have in your presence. And so, you know, I say joyfulness is a, is a choice, but I don't think you can really get there without spending time in the Lord's presence. Because when I just start thinking about my duties, tasks, obligations, commitments, you know, challenges, all those things in my life, if that's what I'm focused on, I, I promise you it's virtually impossible for me to be joyful. It just piles on and just start feeling under the weight of all that. But when I remember how much the Lord loves me, how gracious He is, how good He's been to me, how good He actually is, right? It's joy comes much more easily. We all have down days for sure, but we can still be joyful. The next one is prayerful. Never stop praying. Or another translation, pray without ceasing. Pray unceasingly. Uh, how on earth could you pray nonstop? I mean, you just close your eyes all the time. You're like, I just have faith. I'm just driving my car in faith. I just got my eyes closed. I'm just praying. It's fine if you have a Tesla, but for the rest of us, you know, that's not going to work, right? We're, we, 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 so how do you do that? It's this attitude. It's this readiness to say, Lord, whatever I'm doing, whether I'm driving or, or doing my hair, those of you who have hair or, 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 you know, doing your yard work or whatever it is, saying, Lord, I just kind of in this in and out communion with the Lord. Prayer is not just for final exams and doctor's visits, right? It's for all the time. It's for all the time. It's a, it's a conversation that's ongoing without ceasing. So if, if joy, if joyfulness is present tense, prayerfulness is, is really future. It's really forward focused. It, it, I, I can't change the past. I can't change the present even. But prayer can change the future. Or at the very least, prayer can change my response to what's going to come and what's going to happen. Changes my heart and my mind. So prayer says, I don't know what tomorrow brings. I don't know. But I'm yielding it all to God. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the future is. But I'm yielding it to God. So prayer is very much future focused. Joy is present. Prayerful is future. And thankful. Thankful in all circumstances or in everything. Give thanks. Notice it doesn't say for everything. Give thanks. We're not thankful for it. I am not thankful for COVID. I'm, I'm thankful for some of the things that we've learned in this time. I'm thankful for some of the opportunities that have come about. I'm thankful for the, for that healing some people have experienced through this. Like there's, there's things in this that I can be thankful for, but I'm not actually thankful for the pandemic. But we can be thankful in these things. I don't want to go through hardship, difficulty, but I can still be thankful in the midst of it. Thankfulness is largely past tense. So if joyful is present, if prayerful is future, thankful is largely past tense. Let's say you're in a really tough season at work. Uh, maybe there's conflict with a coworker, or maybe there's, you know, the sales are slow right now, or, or the workload is just too much, right? You're thankful not only in that moment, but you are thankful as you reflect on who God has been what God has accomplished in the past, how God has been faithful, how he has been good to you and has always been. You're, because of all that, you can be thankful now, but it's really based on God's proven character up to this point. 
Now, thankfulness obviously bleeds from the past into the present and often into the future. I'm thankful for what I have now, my employment, my family, my health, and so on. But I'm, I only got to where I am because of God's goodness, God's faithfulness, God's steady character in my life. It's like that great song, uh, Christy, you've been leading us in lately. Uh, all my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. There's another one that's been, I heard on the radio, it's just, it's just been an earworm for me this, this week. I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life, all over my life. Anybody else heard that song lately? It's, ah, it's on, uh, anyway, it's good. It's really good. So if it helps to remember these three things, joyful, prayerful, thankful, you can use another little abbreviation. You know, these corny abbreviations I give you all the time. JPT, joyful, prayerful, thankful. JPT, joyful, prayerful, thankful. It covers your present, covers your future, and it covers your past. Joyful, prayerful, thankful. So let's finish with this. I want you to think about your life right now, this week, what's coming. How are you doing with joyful, prayerful, thankful? This has been a super challenge for me this week because I realized, man, I have so much growth in these things to, to, to do. Always be joyful. I, I confess I have struggled with joyfulness in this year of 2020. Uh, this, this particular week, this month, I mean, just, it's just felt like there's so much heaviness. It's been easy for me to forget where I need to be. It feels like so much has been taken away from us. I mean, all those special events that you couldn't attend, those visits with family members, those those weddings that, that had to be changed, or funerals that you couldn't really have, right? Uh, school activities, all that all that stuff that's just been taken, it really begins to, to weigh on you. It feels like just, you know, just the kind of the peace and camaraderie we, we, we've known in the past and America is kind of threatened and you think, oh Lord, it just feels heavy. So, and yet we need to be joyful now more than ever. I want you to be the person that when you walk in the room, they say, oh good, John's here. Oh good, Carl's here. Oh good, you know, Brian's here. Like, wouldn't that be great to be that person? So could you commit this week to spend some time with the Lord to refill your joy tank a little bit? Never stop praying. What would it mean to leave every concern, every, you know, every request, every feeling of fearfulness or anxiety just to leave it with the Lord this week? You have no control over tomorrow. You really do not. But you do have control over your responses. Jesus himself said, and I'm paraphrasing, Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow because today's got enough trouble of, of its own. Matthew 6. So what if we just say, God, the future is in your hands, which means I'm in your hands, and I'm just going to bring that to you in prayer. Just that communication with the Lord. And then lastly, be thankful in all circumstances. Regardless, regardless of, of what you've been through this year, what you are going through, you know, what you expect, what you anticipate you'll be facing. The Lord is with you. He will not leave you. 
He will not forsake you. It's a promise He has made and a promise He has kept. He didn't say, I'm going to avoid every hard thing in your life. I'm going to take you on a detour around every difficulty, every disappointment, every grief and loss. And you're just never going to experience any of that. No. He says, I'm with you. And will be to the end of the age. It's a promise of His. So you can be thankful in all circumstances for that. Just the fact that you're here right now, you're alive and breathing, you're on the right side of the daisies, that's good. That alone is something to be thankful. Lord, I woke up this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you. Right. You got me through yesterday, so you're going to get me through today. Are you more focused on what's going on or on the one who knows all, controls all, is in charge of all things? He's concerned about your every hour. I'm going to invite um, worship team. And um, I just wonder if you can choose to be joyful, prayerful, thankful this week. Are you joyful? Are you prayerful? Are you thankful? J-P-T. Start by just being an encourager to somebody. Before you leave here today, just be an encourager to somebody. As you give of yourself, you'll find that those things come more easily. As you pour yourself out to others generously, you'll find that joy tends to backfill that what you've given away. It's amazing how that happens. Let God refresh His life in you, His grace and His mercy in your life. He's so good. Let's pray together. God, thank You for reminding us today that in all things we can give You thanks. We don't have to be anxious. Lord, some of us feel the weight of of what's going on more than others. And we just say, God, we don't want that to be dominating our life today. We want to be focused on you. So that when we walk in the room, someone says, oh, I'm glad they're here because they're joyful, prayerful, thankful. Lord, let that be true of us today. Thank you for your presence here, our time with you. In Jesus' name, amen.